in 86. Anne M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club. My name's Jack Shepard. My name's Tanner Greenring. Wow, you just rolled with it, huh? I thought I would catch you unawares. Nothing? I'm looking up um, oh, you're looking computerized biopsychiatry. <laughs> uh, I looked up computerized biopsychiatry earlier. It's does not any, just does com- any um, reputable, accredited university teach computerized biopsychiatry? I don't, I don't know about the computerized version of it. Biopsychiatry is a real thing. Okay. It's essentially psychiatry, but with a focus on like how, how your neural pathways affect things and like not a more holistic view of psychiatry computerized biopsychiatry sounds to me and i'm just spitballing here yeah like attempting to develop a ai ai yeah. sentient ai a sentient ai um which, yeah, that's what i was afraid of yeah great yeah it's perfect so we've got two people trying to create <laughs> life from nothing in this book <laughs> Two people. <laughs> someone is f- focusing on creating physical beings from nothing, and someone is focusing on creating mental beings from nothing. Wow. The Kishi sisters, with their corrupted talents combined, will create new life. Wow. To yeah. to fill in the... Well... For, for Baby Nation, uh, advances and trends in computerized biopsychiatry, in addition to being a casual topic of a conversation amongst myself and Tanner... Yeah, uh, is the degree that Janine Kishi is taking, despite the fact that she's only in like what, like tenth grade. Yeah, but she like takes classes at Stony yeah. Brook College. Yeah, like a real genius. Which keep in mind, Stony Brook University is a real university. Oh right, on Long Island, which is hence our early confusion. Please stop tweeting at us <laughs> about. Stony Brook being in Long Island. We take so much shit for that. And it's also like, it's deeply, having read like fairly recently 25 or so Babysitter's Club books, it's like, I know, dudes. Yeah. I know that Stony Brook is not. I'm just going to go read. I know that that better than anyone in the fucking world right now, other than Anne Matthews Martin herself. I'm going to go re edit that first episode and just like robot voice in, like, oh, Stony Brook is in. Connecticut. (laughs) Yeah. So just to just to tie something that you set up with a little bit of a bow before we really get going in earnest here, Janine Kishi very clearly trying to develop a sentient AI, something yes. that we hopefully can come back to. Yes. Advances and trends in computerized biopsychiatry. Yes. Obviously. Who else is trying to create new life? In Claudia this? Kishi. What's uh what did you see? Claudia Kishi has conscripted an army of children uh-huh. to build her from Papier mache and from art supplies. Yeah. She has used an army of children to build her a new family. Wow. To build her a new loved one. Yeah. Uh, you might even call Claudia Kishi, under these circumstances, the puppet master. Right. Uh, Claudia a- Kishi has built the Frankensteinian monster. Yeah. And Janine Kishi is there to infuse it with the spark of life wow i love it i love it i hadn't put all of those pieces together but it fits with a lot of the thoughts that i had about this book i do think Uh that for the sake of we're kind of dove right (laughs) into the deep end there huh (laughs) the sake of our listeners we should probably take a step back we should take a quick step back right we've already said hi hi we've already said 
I'm Jack Shepard. I'm Tanner Greenring. Oh, we've also already said, welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club. We a podcast said, in which I, Jack Shepard, I, Tanner Greenring, discuss the seminal novels of American author Anne Matthews Martin, Princeton's yep. own. Princeton's own. This week we read a book, confusingly titled, Claudia and the Sad Goodbye. Yep. I One, thought so, we're, too. We're gonna, I think we're going to probably delve into what or who she's saying goodbye to. Yeah. We can dig into Claudia and the terrifying hello as well. Whatever it is that she and Janine are cooking up in that yep, it's just mad like laboratory, Lisa Apple computer. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Hala, oh, <laughs> eat has me. Your new creation. <laughs> state of the art, state of the art technology in 1987. But first, for the baby boys, the baby girls, and the baby bees out there in Baby Nation, let's do a thing, Tanner, where I describe. What the fuck happened in this book? For new baby bees, it's a long time segment. I give a blurb. It's long-winded. Back of the envelope. Sketch of the details of the book. Well, I wouldn't say details. The overarching themes. Sure. A little bit of analysis. A little bit of a teaser. Yeah. And then I put 60 seconds on the clock. I fill in the details. Let me tell the baby nation what happened in this book. Yep. Mimi Yamamoto has met a lot of interesting people since she emigrated from Japan to America in the 1930s. How did you figure out her last name was Yamamoto? I her do my name. fucking research. <laughs> How did you figure that out? I fucking You made it up. it up, didn't you? No, that's her fucking name. <laughs> Mimi Yamamoto has met a lot of interesting people since she emigrated from Japan to America in the 1930s. In more than 40 years, she's met, well, just about everyone who lives in the sleepy little town of Stony Brook, Connecticut. From the enthusiastic kids on Christy Thomas's Little League baseball team, to the friendly nurses at Stony Brook Hospital, to the parents and friends of her two beautiful granddaughters, Claudia and Janine. But until today, Mimi Yamamoto has never met anyone quite like Death, the eternal ravager, breaker of dreams, dark angel of night, the unmerciful ruiner of worlds, and faceless thief of time. And even for someone who's been around as long as Mimi Yamamoto, when you live in Stony Brook, Connecticut, you never know who you're going to run into next. Claudia and the Sad Goodbye. What it's do you think? weird. I didn't, I didn't pick up... <laughs> I'm kind of looking over my notes because I feel like I didn't quite pick up the same stuff as you. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like just, I maybe m- miss... Uh, you, don't, you don't think that she uh, emigrated from... Uh, well, I think I'm I, my, I'm dubious about Yamamoto. Yeah, at best. <laughs> yeah, I think you maybe made it up. Look, I, I'm going to reveal my sources here. I got it from the Babysitters Club Wikia. Okay, which great. has become so, something of a of a bible to me. I feel like maybe I should give my synopsis. Okay, because I think I just got something totally different from this book. Okay, all right. This is a podcast. It's not just about truth. It's about debate. It's about talking about both sides of the issues. Yeah. in a fair and balanced way. Yeah. Um, and if you saw something different in this book from what I saw, that's fine, my man. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw 60 seconds on the clock, and during those 60 seconds, you're going to tell us all the twists and turns of this fascinating novel by American writer Ann Matthews Martin. Don't, don't get distracted by my cat. He just hopped up here to say hi to me, though. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. He knows that this is this is a moment at which you are you're at your most distractible. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to need sixty seconds this time. To be totally honest, really? Okay. Well, as is often the case with Claudia books. Yep. I'm going to hit start right now. Now. Okay. Uh, there is a new family in town, the Addisons. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a young girl 
who is often neglected by her parents, named Corey. She gets to know Claudia. Claudia gets to know her. Claudia is kind of her main charge. Uh, Claudia decides to start holding a Saturday evening, Saturday afternoon art club for a lot of the babies. Uh So the babies will come over and do some, some art projects and stuff like that. Um, Corey loves Nancy Drew novels, so she kind of works on a paper mache puppet of Nancy Drew, um, which she ends up giving to Claudia because she doesn't love her own mother and her Uh own father. Um, Stacy comes to town for a very brief visit. Um, Claudia ends up confronting Corey's mom about how neglectful she is and kind of stitches that over. 60 seconds. That's it. I think I got it all. That w- that was good. Yeah, you missed a- you missed something that I think is pretty key. I didn't miss anything to the novel. I didn't miss anything. There's something I I feel like I mean I don't Jeanine, have a full Jeanine grasp. is in in computerized bioscience, right? Biopsychiatry. There's this there's a sag goodbye that happens. The book's called Claudia and the Sag goodbye, and. There is a sad goodbye. Do you care to speculate about what that might be? Yeah, I think it's it's Anna Martin is as usual kind of obtuse about this, but I mean she's speaking on like five or six different levels as always. I think the sad goodbye is likely the sad goodbye that Claudia makes to Corey Addison. When okay. she confronts her mother and says, you really need to be paying more attention. Like, I love Corey. I love mm-hmm. spending time with her. But you're right. always an hour, hour and a half, two hours late to pick her up. Right. You always drop her off a half an hour early. You know, I love her, but I'm not her mother. Right. So I need to say goodbye to her. That is sad. And you, Mrs. Addison, like, need to say hello to your daughter. Okay. I think that's probably... That's one That's one potential? If it's not that, I think it's probably Claudia saying goodbye to... Janine, who seems like she's dedicating herself to her academic career, maybe heading off to college sometime soon. Sort of drifting apart from the family moving, a little bit. Moving away. I had a thought that maybe the sad goodbye was Claudia saying goodbye to her disappearing youth. That Cla- seems likely. I mean, Claudia... It's kind um, of the, the abstract goodbye, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, Claudia's wearing a bra now. Yep. You know, and the way she talks, you would think that boys just been invented. had just been invented. Yep. Um, and that's something that, like, once you start talking like that, that's uh, that's uh, sort of a phase of your life is gone that's in the past. Right. I do think that those those interpretations are all there. Yeah. I do think there's a big one that you're missing. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't Mi- think so. Mimi? I don't think so. I don't think Claudia's I'm missing anything. I don't think I'm missing anything. I don't think I'm missing anything. But I don't, don't want to hear don't it. Block I don't, your, hear don't block it. your I don't want to hear it. Listen. Don't block, don't I don't block hear, your ears. I'm not missing anything. I got them all. I got them all. We got to say it, man. Mimi no. dies. No, no. She. Mimi she, no. shuffles off no. this mortal coil. No. She's gone. Mimi's Jack, gone. Jack, you promised me Yeah. the last three weeks. Yeah. You've been promising me, Jack. Yeah. That Mimi would never die. You've been <laughs> promising me. You've been saying, oh, Mimi's our bedrock. Mimi's all we have to live for. Mimi's, Mimi's eternal. Mimi will never die. You've been saying that week after week for the last three weeks. Don't tell me that Mimi died. It's outrageous behavior by Anne and Martin. Anne? Like, Anne? Anne? Yeah. Anne. I love you. Anne. But fuck you. 
Don't you dare take this away from me. She's all we have. <sighs> Anne, Tanner's angry right now. I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> what are you doing? She took Louie. Because yeah. dog. Yeah. She took Louie. Yeah. And she promised, she, not in so many words, but she promised to us that she would never hurt us like that again. Yeah. You know what she said? She said, the girls need to confront death. Yeah. Fine. I so, get it. So here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the most inconsequential character I can think of, Louie. <sighs> Still devastating, by the way. Brutal. And I'm going to kill him off just so you, the reader, and so that these girls can know what death is. <sighs> And we know, and now we know. We know what it is. Now you want to just, like, serve us up another helping? Who else are you going to kill? Miss Martin? Yeah. Christy? Miss Martin. Are you going to kill my favorite character, Christy Thomas? Yeah, let me ask you, Miss Martin. Uh, if you're so fucking loosey-goosey, free and easy with these characters that we've come to know and love, who, who are you going to kill next? Is Mary Ann safe? Can I ask? Is it, is it appropriate for me to ask? Is Mary Ann oh, safe? Hey, why don't, hey, while you're at it, why don't you bring Mary Ann's mom back and kill yeah. her? Yeah, kill why her don't again. Just kill her again. You, since you have uh, this apparent bloodlust. Jack and I have been promising our listeners in Baby Nation that Mimi would never die. <sighs> Look what you've done to us, Anna and Martin. Mimi was the rock. And not only was Mimi the rock, but we've established in previous episodes that Anne Matthews Martin, for better or for worse, made a choice not to allow these girls to age. She made a choice not to allow time to pass after book 10. Time no longer passes in Stony Brook. We accepted that. We accepted the consequences of that, which is that the animals in Stony Brook would bear the brunt of that. Fine. Fine. It's, a, it's an unholy alliance. It's a difficult choice to have to make, but fine if it protects the people we care about. But now... Now that you've forced me to confront the fact that Mimi Yamamoto, yes, fine, died. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Fine. She died. She's no longer with us. Fine. Yeah. Here's what I'm worried about. May flights of angels sing her to her rest. I am worried that Stony Brook is an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And it's delicately balanced. Yeah. Let's think about this for a second. Right. A new babysitter is introduced. Her name is Dawn Schaefer. Mm-hmm. What happened next? Uh, an old babysitter Stacey had fucking, to leave. Stacy suddenly is like, I can't stay in Stony Brook anymore. I don't know why. I gotta go. Gotta go. Goodbye, Stacy. Goodbye. A baby becomes a babysitter, Mallory. Mm-hmm. What happens next? A new baby is introduced to Stony Brook in the form of Emily Thomas. Mm-hmm. Right? Mimi, fine. Fine. She dies, right? Mm-hmm. But we've got a new matronly figure mm-hmm. because... Nani moved into Christie's house. Thomas, yeah, has moved into Christie's house to help take care of the baby. Right. We're, this is a delicate balance. It's a delicate dance. Here's what I'm worried about. Yeah. There's a burgeoning love mm-hmm. in Stony Brook. Oh yeah. Between Mister Spear, Spear, mm-hmm. and Mrs. Schaefer. Schaefer. Right. We went to her. Here's what I'm worried about, though. Yeah. Jack, a new romance forms. Yeah. A new, a new couple. Yeah. Another couple must end. Wow. A marriage must fall apart for the balance to be maintained. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm worried about who that could be. Did you catch the marriage that's fucking falling apart in this goddamn book? No, only one marriage is mentioned, and it's um, the McGill's. Yeah. But, and like, they're having some trouble, but the McGill's are rock solid. The Stacy's parents, the McGill's. Yeah who, as you know, have been through a lot lately. Mm -hmm. They moved to Stony Brook because Mr. McGill was transferred there. They moved back to New York 
because Mr. McGill's branch was not doing well. So right. they had to go back to New York to kind of go back to the main branch there, the, the corporate headquarters. But their marriage is rock solid. Their marriage, I promise you now, Baby Nation, and I promise you now, Jack Shepard, uh-huh. the McGill's will never separate. They'll never say goodbye, Mr. McGill, goodbye. They will never, ever separate. The McGill's, that love is eternal. Mm-hmm. That love is unending. I got some flashes in this book. It's fine. You know what? We all have our spats. We all have our marital spats. It's fine, Jack. They go to the funeral. I promise you, I was wrong about Mimi. Yeah. Mimi died, and I hate it. I hate that it happened. I know I promise you she never would, and I hate that she did, but here's here's my new promise to you. The McGills, (laughs) Mr. (laughs) McGill and Mrs. McGill will never separate. Mark my words. Ugh. So something, someone else has to fall under the brute force of Mr. Spear and Mrs. That's, that's what you're hanging your hat on. It's yeah. the old McGill's who, in today's book, had a blow-up in the car on the way to the funeral. Yeah, no, that's just a spat. freaking out at each other and driving from New York. Jesus, that, that's rough, too. They're driving from New York to Connecticut. They start to, they start to get a little... Uh, a little sassy. It's fine. Tempers start to, that to flare. Never had a. You've never had a, a spat with your wife about something dumb. Not you like just this, make up man. afterwards. They, You're like, oh, never mind. That was petty and dumb. They I'm drive. Sorry. They drive to the funeral together from New York, and Mr. McGill decides he's not going to go. I captured this under my section called "Things Fall Apart." When Mimi died, everything starts spiraling out. This perfect fucking marriage. This perfect marriage. Between Mr. McGill and Mrs. Thank McGill. you. You're agreeing with me. Yes, their marriage is perfect and it is unending. It is eternal. It's God, what a beautiful love story. It's like <laughs> Jack and Rose from Titanic, you know? Like it's a beautiful love their story. Their hearts will go on. <laughs> I think that when you start seeing shit like that, you start seeing things falling apart in Stony Brook. Things starting to go to shit. And what I am worried about is that the loss of Mimi, who is the rock, the foundation upon which this whole thing was built, mm-hmm. is going to bring about the chaos that has always been looming in the yeah. distance. I think it already has in yeah. a lot of ways. Claudia's grades immediately start to slip. Claudia's grades immediately start to slip. When she falls down and has her attack that is what leads to her death, and goes to the I hospital. I I hate seeing it come out of your mouth. There. Don't ever refer to it as her death again. <laughs> Just say her moving on. The event. Yeah. We'll say the event. Yeah. When she falls down. And moves on. And, and w- Which is the beginning of her which is process of moving on. The beginning of the event. The kids are, like a bunch of kids are over at Claudia's house taking an art class. First of all, a beautiful moment. Jamie Newton. Ugh. Almost my tearful moment, so yeah. beat it out at yeah. the last second. I threw that into my tearful moment section. Jamie Newton runs to her yeah. and like has to be held back. Which like is so Marianne bad. like wraps her arms yeah. around him in a bear hug. And he's yeah. just like kicking against her, like, No, let me let me get the Mimi. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. God bless him. They get the kids in the corner and they're like, Jamie, can you just distract everybody for a little bit? And they all walk into the corner and sing this song that Jamie made up, I think, that goes, I'm in love with a big blue frog. Yeah. And there's this scene with like eight children sitting in Claudia's basement, very dutifully all singing, I'm in love with a big blue frog, while the fucking like paramedics are showing up and Claudia's parents are rushing home from work. And like, it's just this insane scene. 
that is the beginning of the chaos that I'm terrified is going to envelop Stony Brook forever. Right. Well, luckily, the McGills, which is how this whole conversation started, right. are outside of Stony Brook. They're going to be fine. Baby Nation, oh, they're going to be fine. I promise. Jack and I promise you yeah. now Listen. that the McGills, yeah. that love is unending. Yeah. That love is rock solid. We need a new bedrock now that Mimi has moved on. That love will never move on. Right. This is our guarantee to you. This is our guarantee to you. We will shut down the podcast yep. and we will delete all the back episodes from yep. iTunes yep. if the McGills ever separate. Yeah. And they won't. They won't. They wouldn't. Uh, this is a segue. <laughs> Bear with me. <laughs> There's a new presence in Stony Brook. Mm-hmm. And its name is Corey Addison. Okay. Its name on this plane is Corey Addison. Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting... Don't you think that as soon as we're introduced to this Corey Addison, Mimi moves on? Oh, wow. We're, we're introduced to the idea of human death mm-hmm. as soon as Corey Addison is introduced to this universe. Right. My thought is that Corey Addison is death. Wow. Corey Addison struggles. Mm-hmm. She never quite completes her papier-mâché puppet. Yeah. Of Nancy Drew, mm-hmm. the character she's chosen to make a papier-mâché puppet of. Mm-hmm. And the reason she can't complete it is because she's incapable of creating life. She's incapable of creation. All she's capable of just is destruction because right. she is death. Wow. It's not until Corey Addison is introduced to this universe that we're presented with the idea of human mortality. I caught a, a few things that might actually back up your point. Mm-hmm. Corey Addison shows up on the scene out of fucking nowhere. Then what happens? The event. Yep. The thing that I noted down about Corey Addison mm-hmm. is that her own mother can't love her. She is constantly dropping off Corey early or picking her up late. Yep. And Claudia is like super worried because the mom and the dad are, are, are like – their thing is that all they do is they make Corey go to art classes or – Dance classes, judo, or basketball, like anything. Anything they can do to avoid spending time with these children. Yeah. And I was scratching my head about why. Like, like what if, what if there was a kid who can't be loved by her parents? Yeah. Like, that's a pretty dark shit to fucking take on. Yeah, I know one big reason why you couldn't love your kid. If she was the incarnation of the dark angel of death. Yeah, and... Everywhere she went, things died around her. And then, like, they take the baby to kids yoga, and yeah. it's like, you know what? Oh, sorry. Oh, so sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm late. I like, I had some other shit to do. And the teacher's like, no, it's fine. It was an unprecedented session. Six <laughs> kids died. <laughs> That's my theory, man. Yeah. And I hope Corey Addison comes back because I feel like where Corey goes, yeah, death will follow. Corey is a She's, fascinating She is character. pestilence. She is plague. Yeah. Well, and what is she doing? What is she, like, the main thing that she's doing in this book? She's making puppets. Attempting to. She's trying to make a puppet. Yeah. The art class that Claudia hosts in the wake of Mimi's death is this sad attempt at creating life that fails. Right. And uh, I don't want to hit this point. Every time we record, Jack, Every but Claudia is a time. living doll. <laughs> there's just no, there's no skirting around the issue. <sighs> so when something, when someone from her life goes missing, obviously her first instinct is going to be to create more living dolls to fill 
the oh, emotional right. void left behind that makes by a ton Mimi. Of sense. So she so she enlists these kids from this art class to build her army of new living dolls. And she enlists her own sister. Yeah. Janine Kishi, who's taking a class, as we mentioned earlier. Who's feverishly trying to learn everything she can about advances and trends in computerized biopsychiatry. And like AKA AKA building sentient, a sentient AI. AI. And now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Um, a dilly dilly, my lord. <laughs> oh, hey, it's Evil Jack here. I was just workshopping some of the most evil ways to start an ad spot. Evil Tanner couldn't make it today because he's busy trying to break his previous record for how many people he can tell that they should smile more in a 24-hour period. I just wanted to give you an update on our uh, evil company. Better help, uh, where we help evil betters to um, make small, lucrative bets on extremely wicked outcomes. Uh, like, for instance, I bet that I can accidentally put my own bag on the weighing area of your self-checkout at the grocery store, so you have to call someone over to make the machine work again. Well, basically, since you asked, it's going uh, pretty badly. Um, because apparently the name of our company sounds too much like the name of our sponsor, BetterHelp. See, it's pronounced completely differently. They're online therapy that will uh, pair you with a licensed therapist in no time at all. Um, and in addition to not even really sounding the same as our evil company, BetterHelp is easy to use, it's entirely online, and they are super flexible, so it's no problem to fit them into your own schedule, which is completely the opposite of how we do it. Anyway, everyone's saying that we shouldn't use the name, which causes me grief, anxiety, self-esteem, and LGBT matters. And to make matters worse, um, I can't even get therapy for this stuff because I don't believe that men need therapy because I'm evil. If you're ready uh, to give online therapy a try, though, all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bedfellows today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Bedfellows. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, that much is clear, and I think it only appropriate that we move on to less serious topics. I want to lighten things up a little bit and talk about something that is serious but not deadly. They diversify their business this week. 
They are dramatically diversifying in a way that was, Not- in my mind, at at the very best, mm-hmm. a rash decision by someone on the board of directors, the BSC, yeah, to just plow into a brand new market without in any way synthesizing any data about ROI, industry trends, uh-huh. uh, not to mention short-term effects for the shareholders, the Babysitter's Club. Two books ago, Jesse, associate babysitter, yes, not even a C-level babysitter, no. takes it upon herself to start sitting pets. Yep. Suddenly they're in a, in a new market. Yep. Where they don't necessarily have any strategic advantage. Yep. They haven't looked at the potential ROI. They haven't looked at what it's going to mean to stretch their resources like yep. this. An issue later, Don Schaefer is incubating new babysitters clubs. Yeah. 3,000 miles away in California. In California, the We Heart Kids Club. Right. No franchise money coming in from that. Right. No oversight. Yep. She's just doing it. Hey, let's start, let's let's see what happens if we open a California branch. Well, Don, here's what happens. You got to pay new staff. Yep. Congratulations. You, you just doubled our workforce you and got, doubled our fucking payroll, you Don. Gotta, think. Fucking hell. You got to get a brand new office. You got to get a, open a bureau. Mm-hmm. You, you got to train make, those people up. Yeah, you got to train them up. Do you think the new the new babysitters in the We Heart Kids Club are going to know how to operate a kid kit? No. Absolutely not. You know, do they do they have CPR training? No. This is like that that's an expense. That's an overhead expense right now with no immediate revenue stream that's coming in. And then all of a sudden in this book, Claudia without with barely any consultation with the rest of the members of the babysitters club says she's going to do art classes. Right. It's terrifying to me. Like Claudia is the person who is least equipped, yeah, to take on a new initiative. Oh my god. Yeah, because she's the babysitters club. She's mourning. She's in a process of grief right now, yep. which is not helping her make any good decisions. But like frankly, before the event, before the event, she was not someone who I would trust with major business decisions anyway. No, I mean she is the vice president, right? Yeah, that's only cuz she has her own phone number. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I have one more thing that I want to talk about that is related to the art classes. Okay. And it is a theme that has come up previously in Claudia books in particular. And it is this conflict between the polar ideals of art and babysitting. Yeah. We first encountered it in the hit book, Claudia and the New Girl. Yep. Ashley Wyeth. Ashley Wyeth. Comes into town. She encourages Claudia to give up her new love babysitting. of babysitting for mm-hmm. her first love of art. Right. And Claudia decides that she has room in her life for both. Right. And as Anna Martin either explicitly or implicitly states, the way that we get to that realization is through a Hegelian dialectic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The thesis that babysitting is truth. Mm-hmm. 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 The antithesis that art is truth Uh and the synthesis of those two ideas through the dialectic that babysitting is art yep right and that draws a portrait of jackie radowski right (laughs) and that is what that's that's the tension for claudia that's what she's dealing with and let me ask you this tanner (laughs) jack to say it like that (laughs) i guess i don't know why it was being so aggressive (laughs) What I'd like to ask you is, what is the second to last thing 
that Mimi Yamamoto, Claudia's grandmother, says before the event. What's the last thing? Let's let's just. The last thing she says is goodbye, Goodbye, Claudia. And it's not it's it's not a sad goodbye. It's sad as fuck to me. Claudia's just like, oh, I'm working on my stop frame. She calls it, and Mimi says, "Let you go now. Do not want to confuse the muses." Goodbye, my Claudia. Confuse the muses. Yeah. That's the second to last thing she says. Yep. Before she says goodbye, my Claudia, and then, and then dies. Moves on. on the spot. Moves on. That's her last message. Moves on. Her last message, other than goodbye, to her beloved Claudia. Don't confuse the muses. Do not confuse art and babysitting. Right. Don't put them together. Do not confuse the two muses. She's saying don't put them together. That's the one thing that matters. That's exactly what Ashley Wyeth was saying, no, Jack. Ashley Wyeth, Ashley Wyeth is saying art. Yeah. Christy, Christy Thomas, Thomas is saying, saying babysitting. babysitting. Yep. All Mimi is saying is don't cross the streams, Claudia. How does Claudia react? She creates a fucking art class for the, her babysitting charges. And then what happens? The event. <laughs> she she wanted Mimi it. to die. Yeah. Um, and then also, Stacy's parents, the McGills, have a big fight. No, that's insignificant. Claudia that's confuses the muses. That's unimportant. The McGills, the McGills are eternal. Get the McGills are forever. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I think Mimi, well, we know Mimi knew she was going to die. Right. It comes to light that there was a note in the bottom of her um, jewelry box um, predicting her own death. She even predicted the year she would die. This year, 1987. Mm-hmm. Here's further proof that Mimi has predicted her own death. She's in her hospital room, mm-hmm. and the TV is on. Yeah. And Claudia comes for a visit. And I'm curious what you and your friend Boethius have to say <laughs> about this. Uh-huh. Claudia turns on the TV, and she turns it to Mimi's favorite TV show, yeah. Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. And Mimi says, no, 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 no. Change. Change channel. No good. Yeah. It was a rerun of Wheel of Fortune, which is her favorite show, but I changed it anyway. Yeah. What do you and Boethius have to say about Mimi rejecting she rejects the it. Wheel of Fortune? Right? She rejects it. I mean, and that's beautiful, right? For new listeners. <laughs> new listeners who also fall into the Venn diagram of people who haven't read Boethius's Consolation of Philosophy. Okay. Pretty small sliver. <laughs> yeah. Um, the philosopher Boethius talks about a wheel of fortune, which is the great wheel that turns, and sometimes you're on top of it, and then the wheel turns, and you're on the bottom. You're getting crushed by the wheel. But Mimi, Mimi rejects recognizes it. that she is no longer right. subject to She's good not or bound bad fortune. to the wheel anymore. Like, this is the point, right? Mimi loves Wheel of Fortune. It's been stipulated that she really enjoys the TV show Wheel of Fortune. Yep. And then... Today, of all days, the day before her death, sorry, the day before the event, yep. Claudia puts on the Wheel of Fortune, and Mimi makes this incredible symbolic gesture, which says, I am no longer bound to this wheel. Yep. It has no sway over me. I'm looking forward to a future outside of the bounds of petty fortune. It's beautiful. It's hopeful. It's wonderful. And also, she writes this crazy fucking note where she predicts the date of her own death. Of course I, she predicted her own fucking death. Here it is. I, like, And this is it. And Martin makes no commentary on this. It's a fucking aside. They're like looking for earrings. Yeah. And then Claudia's like, oh, and then I saw a note. I peered over it, and my father came to look at it too. Written in Mimi's funny handwriting, 
she'd had to switch to her left hand after her stroke, was an obituary. Mimi had been writing her own obituary, all the stuff about where she was born and who she was survived by. But the weirdest thing was the date of her death. She'd included that too, and she'd listed it as this year. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Tanner, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Have? Yeah. A. Yeah, I had one. Cool. Glad um, to, glad it's to hear that. during art class. Okay. Uh, all the babies mm-hmm. come to art class, yeah. including some of our newest babies, uh-huh. Carolyn and Marilyn. Yep. And some of our oldest babies, Jamie Newton. Jamie Newton. Carolyn and Marilyn are doing their shtick with Jamie Newton. And they're fucking yeah. with him, and they're like, oh, which like which twin am I? Which twin am I? Yeah. Like throwing their bracelets up in the air. Yeah. And Jamie Newton. In terrifying unison. Yeah. Which twin am I? Yeah. <laughs> Jamie Newton is having none of it. Yeah. And instead of playing their game, mm-hmm. Jamie Newton instead delivers the hottest burn of the week. These two twins hate being compared to one another. Yeah. They hate when people the, mix them up. It's the one thing they don't like. Yeah. Which is weird that they, they've they turned it into this twisted game yeah. where they dare people to mix them up. Yeah, because they know that they can unleash their wrath upon the... Jamie Newton short-circuits it. He's yeah. not having any of it. He's also a young boy mm-hmm. and can't remember that their names are Marilyn and Carolyn. Yeah. Carolyn and Marilyn spent a lot of the lesson trying to fool Jamie Newton. They kept asking him to guess which one of them was which. They weren't dressed alike, and they have different hairstyles, but they still look similar. Anyway, Jamie couldn't keep their rhyming name straight. You're... you're Marilyn, he'd say as Carolyn asked for the 14th time. Who am I? Finally, he began calling both of them Very Lynn. <laughs> Which they did not like. <laughs> and that's yeah. my burn of the week. He's just like, nah, fuck it. You're both now very Lynn. Yeah. That's fucking badass. Capital V, yeah. capital L. <laughs> and it shuts them fucking down. It's yeah. like, I'm going to call you both the same name. Yep. And give you the the one thing that you fear the most, which is being confused with each other. And fuck you. And Jamie Newton also, not to make this into a separate segment, but has the best baller of the week moment in this episode. (laughs) He's fucking killing it. I can't remember the specifics of why he does this, but he goes around giving people J pluses. Yeah. Did you write that down? (laughs) Yeah. Where he's like, he He decides he's like judge, jury and execution of (laughs) art class and like goes around judging other people's art. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, you get a J plus. Yeah. That is so fucking cool. Yeah. Oh, it's also like the best grade you can get. Yeah. It's the best grade. It's like, Oh, that's a Jamie. It's a J plus. It's a Jamie plus. I, that, as a Jack, I can now introduce that into my regular life. Yeah. Uh, I say you, you linger around the office and you look yeah. at people's monitors. You're like, oh, hey, I really oh. like what you're doing there. Oh, J plus. J plus. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll just start saying it with no context. Oh, oh, oh J, J plus. J and plus. then people will be like, why are you looking at my monitor? Who are like, you? Oh. Who are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jamie Newton yeah. also nearly had a... (laughs) 
but he almost made it to tearful moment status with mm-hmm. the bear hug when Mimi collapsed. He yeah. ran to her yelling, Mimi, Mimi, are you okay? And yeah, I wrote that. Marianne had to clasp him in a bear hug to keep him <sighs> from running to Mimi. Pre-event. Wasn't my tearful moment. Right. It was a tearful moment, mm-hmm. but it wasn't my defining tearful moment. Mm-hmm. Was it yours? No, I wrote it down as one of my like 17 tearful moments. Can I hear your best tearful moment? God, I hope it's not mine because I loved mine. Okay. Baby Nation, I was weeping through this book. I was devastated. I was Yeah, this was another Christie's big day. It was a tough one. I cried a lot in this book. I weirdly cried at the at the author's note. Okay, good. <laughs> I didn't even read it this week. The author's note this week is Anna Martin, and she just says, I didn't make a tribute to my grandmother like Claudia did, but on the night before her funeral, my sister and my cousins and I gathered to reminisce about Granny. Eventually, we found ourselves laughing and telling stories about funny things Granny had done. It helped us feel a little better. For a long time after the funeral, I kept a picture of Granny on my desk so I could look at her while I was working. And that helped, too. Happy reading! (laughs) (laughs) Which is how she always ends those fucking notes. Yeah. Do you have any good favorite Granny moments? When I was five years old, my grandparents came to visit us in England. Mm Mm-hmm. And stayed for a week, and I was really devastated when they left. Uh-huh. And I was like, goodbye, Granny. Yeah. Goodbye, Granny. And gave her a big hug, and she walked to the car. And then my dad turned to me, and he was like, do you know what's a really special way to say goodbye? Like a special word that means goodbye, and I love you all in one. And I was like, what, what? And he whispered it to me. And I ran to the car just as they were getting into the car yeah. to say it to her. It stopped her, and she's like, what is it? What is it? And I was like, good riddance, Granny. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Jeff Shep. <laughs> Jeff Shep comes a, through again. Such a fucking sick burn of the week for my dad. Your my dad is the funniest person I know. <laughs> and my grandparents were like genuinely like, what? <laughs> this may be the last what? time you see us. <laughs> Speaking of sick burns, we talked about your burn of the week. We didn't talk about my burn of the week. Here's my burn of the week. Yeah. Uh, It's a moment that we have briefly discussed. Janine goes into Mimi's room. Janine, Claudia's sister, goes into Mimi's room Uh and starts just, like, picking through her stuff. Right. And it's just like, oh, these earrings look nice. Yeah. Um, And Claudia comes in, and she's like, what the fuck are you doing, Janine? I exploded. Oh, my Lord, Janine, how could you do this? How could you? I didn't give my sister a chance to answer me. I plowed right ahead. Mimi's hardly been gone at all, and here you are picking through her things like someone with a fine-tooth comb. You're mixing your metaphors, (laughs) said (laughs) Janine. Fucking eat it, Claudia. (laughs) And it's so Janine. It's so Janine in that moment. Oh, we didn't talk about my tearful moment. Wait, we didn't? No. We We didn't talk about your tearful moment. Oh, we didn't talk about your tearful moment at all? We didn't talk about your burn of the week? God. <laughs> okay, good. Listen, we're just going to do it like this. We don't need to we don't need to fucking cut and splice. Did a burn of the week and we didn't give my burn of the week. Yep. We did a tearful moment. We didn't give your tearful moment. Yeah. I'd like to hear your tearful moment now. Tanner. So, hot off the heels of them picking through all of Mimi's possessions. Uh-huh. <laughs> they discover some little notes left behind by Mimi. Mhm. Predicting her own death. 
Yeah. And also, like, Mimi, towards the end of her life, knew, knew this was coming and started giving away some of her possessions. Yeah. Including a, what was it, a bird? Yeah, she, she gives, gives it, like, a, little, a China, like, little China bird that she had had forever. They're all deciding what they want to, like, keep, what they want to remember Mimi by. Janine obviously goes right for the expensive stuff, the jewelry. Mrs. Kishi. Mimi. Because she's practical. Janine is practical. Yep. Yeah. Mimi's daughter mm-hmm. is is a person of tradition mm-hmm. and decides that she wants Mimi's traditional kimono. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Kishi, mm-hmm. I think, maybe feeling a little awkward and out of place, yeah. kind of wanders in the room. He's yeah. like, oh, I guess uh, I should maybe you know claim something too. <laughs> uh, Mom hesitated, then opened the door to Mimi's closet. I'd kind of like to have her kimono, she said. Dad picked up a paperweight from the table. <laughs> I'd like to keep this, he said, turning it over in his hands. Then, hey, wait, he exclaimed. There's a piece of tape on the bottom of this with my initials on it. I guess Mimi wanted me to have this, too. And I loved it, and it made me burst into tears yeah. on the subway because Mr. Kishi was just like, he just felt like he needed to be involved. He like felt like he needed to be a part of that moment. He's like... Poor Mr. Kishi, like, oh. bumbling around and, like... It's all right. Yeah. Don't worry. You're going to want the paperweight. Like, you're not you're not the world's most interesting man. Right. I know that. I love you. I loved it. I'm looking after you. I loved it, and it made me cry so much. <laughs> um, look, this book is one entire book full of tearful moments. I'm not sure that we can keep going through them. I, no, I I wanted to capture. There's a million I could have captured, and at some yeah. point, I just was like I just stopped. Nope. Yeah, yep. I I'll, I'll read as we're we're c- kind of coming to a point where we're about to wrap up. Um, I will read the last line of the book, uh, which I had I had written down as one of my many tearful moments, but it was also just like this this fucking nightmare is coming to an end, and now I can be alone with my grief. Yeah, my portrait of Mimi was leaning against an old filing cabinet where I'd left it the morning she had died. Claudia had taken Mimi's portrait off her wall and hidden it in the attic because she couldn't bear to look at it after the event. event. Yeah. Now I picked it up, brought it into my room, and hung it in its old spot. I stood back to look at it. I couldn't say anything to it because of the big lump in my throat. I just let Mimi smile down at me. After a few moments, I smiled back. And what we have there is Mimi is looking over Claudia. Yeah. Babysitting Claudia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. As an art piece. She's crossing the fucking streams again. Yeah. Baby, well, Mimi- she's... Confusing the muses. Babysitting and art come together. Mimi didn't want Claudia to confuse the muses. Yeah. Because the second Claudia let those worlds collide, Mimi would die. Yes. And now that Mimi has passed on. Now that the event has happened. She's fine with it. She's okay. The muses are confused. They're permanently confused now. Babysitting is art. It's the dialectic, right? Babysitting is art. And how how better to manifest that than a piece of art? Right. Babysitting. Yeah. A baby 
yeah. sitter. Claudia is wearing a bra now, and the way she talks, you both have never been invented. I'm Jack Shepard. I'm Tanner Greenway. Goodbye. Oh, wow. wow. Everybody's wearing a bra now. Woo! You ask me. Anyway, I've been Tanner Greenring. And I've been Jack Shepard. This has me. been... Wait, the... I say it. I say it. I say it. I've been Jack Shepard. I've been Tanner Greenring. This has been another episode of the Babysitter's Club Club, Club. a podcast which you listen to. The book we read was Claudia and the Sad Goodbye. Yeah. Still unclear to me what the Sad Goodbye was. It sounds like Claudia was just saying goodbye to her disappearing youth. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yep, nothing Could sad. be a number of things. Yep. It was just a absolutely yeah, none of them is the death of Yimi Yamamoto. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. None of them is the death of Yimi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping this in at this point. <laughs> none of them is the death of Ki- Mi- Mimi Yamamoto. Next week. Next week. We're reading a book called Jesse. Yeah. And this is a Jesse. Super Brat. <gasps> Sounds pretty good, huh? Another baby? A new baby? Yeah, sounds like a new baby. Oh. Super Brat is also the, the name fuck Anna of Martin? our favorite band. Super Brat, Babysitter's Club themed band. Yeah. May God bless you and may God bless America. May God bless the soul of Mimi Yamamoto who has ascended. She has ascended. Mimi we- Yamamoto has arisen. Claudia is wearing a bra now. And the way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. Goodbye, Mimi. Goodbye, Mimi. And good riddance. <laughs> In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Listen. Hey, hey, you cats. Hey, you cats. Jenkins, be nice to Princess Cutie's face. <laughs> okay. It's cat dinner time. Baby Nation. You, sir, are being a naughty boy. <laughs> Come sit on Uncle Tanner's lap when you're being a naughty boy. That's, a, that's only going to go well. You leave Princess Cutie's face alone.